Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm here today with my good friend, Judy Sedgman, talking about how psychology has been looking at um, human beings and the way they function backwards. And so as a result of that, we haven't seen the kind of changes and, and health really coming to people um, that, that we could. And so we've been lucky enough to work from a new understanding in the field of psychology. And we decided we'd do this podcast in order to try to facilitate more change in the field, but also to let people know that if they're not getting better and if they haven't gotten helped from their traditional therapist, that there is another way of looking at things and that you're not hopeless, that you can change no matter what. So today we're talking about the simplicity of happiness. And one of the things that I remember when I was a therapist, before I learned the principles, I uh, was very burned out, super burned out, and I wasn't happy. And I looked at all my colleagues and they were on antidepressants. They weren't happy. They were having their issues just like I was. And we were all doing whatever we could. We were, you know, getting supervision from the best people in town and we were, um, you know, going to trainings and we were doing all kinds of stuff. And yet we were very stressed out and unhappy. And I remember thinking one night, I, just, I thought to myself, I just kind of sat down. And I went, oh, I just want to be happy. You know, I, I don't really care about all this. And I thought, I'm not happy. My clients get better, but they're not really happy. And so I, I could see there was a quality of, of health that was missing in me and in them. So I was going to get out of the field because I thought, you know, this is a bunch of crap. This is just absolutely not really working for people. And then I was lucky because my wish was granted. I um, ran into uh, one of my colleagues and he told me about this new work and I, I went to it and I dropped into a feeling of happiness that I hadn't been in, I think ever really. I mean, I can't even remember as a child being that, having that, that kind of feeling. And I did nothing to make it happen. That was what was really interesting. I wasn't trying to be happy. I just fell into this incredible feeling that was inside of me. And when I did that, I like Judy was talking about in the last episode that, you know, people's cheeks hurt because they hadn't smiled in so much. I was just like constantly smiling, constantly laughing. And I just was happy and for no good reason. I mean, I still wasn't married. I still had the same client. <laughs> I, I had like nothing that I thought needed to change. I uh, had changed, but yet there I was totally happy and content and amazed at the ability to do that. Now that was 40 years ago and uh, I'm still amazed by that. And I'm still amazed that at my age, um, I can still be happy, even though my hip hurts and, you know, I got all these aches and pains as people do as they get older. But 
I'm still happy and I love to laugh. I love to laugh. I love to get the giggles, you know, where somebody says something, you just giggle. It, and that was something that eluded me for, for many, many years when I was anxious and depressed. So as my mother said, she said to me, honey, if this can work for you, it can work for anybody. <laughs> you know, if your mother tells you that, that you've changed, right? <laughs> That's the sweetest story. That is so sweet. So, you know, and I, and I have to say that um, when I first read Second Chance, Sydney Banks' book, Second Chance, and at that time I was a, quote, successful person, uh, you know, by the world standards, but I was not happy. And I'm reading this book and in chapter two, somebody asks the wise character in the book, well, how would you define success? And the answer is happiness and contentment. And I remember reading that and I'm thinking, well, what about achievement? What about money? What about a big house? What about, you know, having a lot of friends? What about recognition? And I thought that's all ridiculous. That's not where it comes from. It's just happiness and contentment really resonated with me. And I think for the first time in my life, I realized that happiness, you can't get it out there. You know, it doesn't matter how many successes you have, how many times you achieve something, how much money you make, how many friends you have, how much recognition you get. None of that is going to make you happy. Happiness is something that's in you. And that's, you know, what I started to realize when I read just that one sentence. And I remember just being, um, struck dumb by it because I thought I don't really know anybody that would say that I didn't know anybody that understood what happiness was and I suddenly just saw what it was that it was a state irrespective of the, the nature of your life and the first thing I thought of to be honest with you is people that I had had interviewed when I was a newspaper reporter who were generally speaking, having a lot of trouble in life or living in poverty or whatever, because you go out and cover stories of people that have been through disasters and things like that. And I met people who were genuinely happy. And I remember thinking, how could they possibly be happy? Look at what happened. And, and But I never asked them. You know, it's just, it, it felt rude to say, you know, gee, you seem awfully happy for a person that just lost your house in a fire. You know? And so... But I re but I, when I remembered them, I thought that was genuine. They were just people that lived in a state in which they could find gratitude for what they still had rather than misery for what had happened. So when I started delving into the principles and I realized it's all about that, that peace of mind, contentment, and happiness are all the same. And they're natural gifts that we have when we're not thinking something else. You know, when we're in a clear-headed, quiet, calm state of mind, uh, at peace, just drift into this lovely feeling, and that's natural happiness, and it's it's part of the package. It's part of what we have as human beings. And and to me, you know, I, I mean, I had no idea at that time how to help people get there or how to get there myself, but I knew that was there. <laughs> you know, that's what I wanted, and I think that that. Uh, I realized that in any time I'd ever sought advice from anyone or any time I'd never been to therapy, but I certainly probably should have been, but I didn't. Uh, but, you know, if I asked other people, like, you know, what do you think, you know, what, what makes you happy? They, they would 
they didn't know. They would say, well, I don't know. I thought it was going to be my boat, but then I, now I want a bigger boat or, you know, whatever. And I realized nothing makes us happy. We are happy. And then we make ourselves unhappy by thinking about what we think happiness is or what we think we need or what we think is out there in the world that we need to get and the frustration that that engenders. And um, it's so I see now as happiness is a, a, is a direction that we choose and getting there is just uh, leaving things aside, you know, leaving, leaving aside our resentments, leaving aside our temporary upset at things, leaving aside our bad feelings, leaving aside our dysfunctional thinking. And the more we sort of set those things aside and just see them as passing images the, the more often we drop into that state that Chris so beautifully described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing um, because in the field of psychology, it's very um, unusual to have a therapist think about happiness as a goal for therapy. I mean, I think they want their clients to be happy, but they don't see that as being something to do with their with the therapy because they're so focused on the symptoms of their illness, right? In their mind, they want to, they want to reduce the symptoms. So the person isn't suffering. But the deal is, is that when you focus directly or intentional about noticing health and noticing um, happiness in people, then you start to draw that out. So as they spend more moments of their life in those feelings their symptoms will decrease because you can't do both, right? And But it's just seeing that they're both coming from the same person, mm-hmm. right? And so when, like, I was kind of blind to happiness. I was blind to uh, health in people. And, you know, like I've said on this podcast many times, there, to my knowledge, there is no class in any university that teaches the dynamics of mental well-being. You know, that they, they'll talk about being mental health providers, but they're really mental illness providers. Mm-hmm. And they learn lots about that. So that's what's in their head. That's what they see in the patient. And then they live in that experience. Right. So it's a serious world when you're looking at all the awful things that have happened to people all day long. When you're talking about, oh, how they're being treated and how bad they feel and all of that, that it, it'll just get to you over time. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened to me because I thought initially when I became a therapist, I thought people that were happy were in denial. You know, <laughs> like they were in denial about the trouble the world was in. Mm-hmm. And and then I would see people that were what I would call hyper happy. You know, that and they would be like acting happy, but they weren't genuinely happy. And I thought, I do not want to be like that. Yeah. That was too much for him. But that's that was my frame of reference mm-hmm. for what happiness was. And so no wonder I wasn't like grabbing onto it, you know, like yeah. it was a thing. I just didn't get it that that was what I was. Like you said, Judy, that that was within me at all times. It was my true self yeah. until I fell into it. And when I woke up to it, and that's kind of what we do is instead of processing and thinking and figuring things out and trying to be happy, we just talk about the ability to fall into it. Mm-hmm. And so 
people fall into it right away and some people fall into it later. Some people do it incrementally. Some people have big shifts. It's very unique to every person. But the possibility is always there. You know, it's funny. I had a client one time who um, had had been in a, she just, she'd been brought up in an abusive household and then she had had like four terrible abusive relationships. And so she was in her early thirties and, and she, um, she, she started out by telling me that she didn't even know why she was bothering to come back for more therapy, except it was free. And she thought she'd give it a shot. And, um, she said, you know, because no one's ever been able to help me. And I know the deal. I know the game, you know, the, I tell you my sad story. You take notes. You tell me what's wrong with me. I already know what's wrong with me. You tell me you're going to give me medicine. I can't afford the medicine. I don't take the medicine. I don't get better. I find another therapist. And I said, well, that's not what I do. First of all, I can't prescribe medicine. You know, I'm I'm a mental health educator. I'm not a uh, psychotherapist that prescribes. And I said, second of all, um, I'm not too interested in what's wrong with you. Uh, because I'm interested in talking about what's right with you. And she said, oh, I told you there's nothing right with me. I'm totally broken. I'm a broken human being. And if you don't believe me, just ask my mother. That's what she tells me every time she talks to me. <laughs> so, so over the course of the conversation, at some point, I was trying to, you know, just redirect her thinking a little bit. And she was telling me that she, you know, she has a job and she's, you know, she's trying to get her life together, but she doesn't even know why she's bothering because she knows she's going to be on, on the streets again soon because, you know, et cetera, it's always happened. And um, I said, well, you know, what would it look like if you were happy? What would you, what would you, what would you be doing if you were happy? And she looks at me like I was crazy. And she said, how the hell would I know? I've never been happy. And I said, well, you know, just imagine it. Like, what would it look like if you were happy? And this, here's the sweetest thing. You know what she said? She said, well, I guess I'd have a dog and I'd have friends with dogs and we'd walk our dogs and we'd take our dogs to the beach and let the dogs run and we'd sit around and tell stories and laugh and, you know, maybe we'd have lunch. And, uh, you know, she's just describing like an ordinary day in an ordinary life of an ordinary person. That is exactly what happiness is. It's being content in ordinary life and finding the beauty in ordinary moments. And I almost cried when she said that. She said, I don't know where that came from. She said, I can't let myself go there because, you know, I know it's not possible for me. (laughs) I'm like, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) It was possible enough for you to make it up. You just made that up. I didn't tell you. I didn't know you even liked dogs. And now she said, I've always wanted a dog, always wished I had a puppy. And, um, and she couldn't have one because she was staying with a friend who was allergic to dogs. So, um, and, and the sweetest thing was that at the end of the, at the end of that first session, she looked at me and she said, you really think that's possible, don't you? Like when I was telling you that you look like you believed it was possible. You weren't like looking like, oh, this poor girl, she's worse than I thought. And I said, no, of course it's possible. Anything that you can dream, you can find, you know, because we're creating our own reality. And she was so, uh, I saw her smile. There's, you know, she she came in, She I thought she'd never smile. She just looked like a, you know, was all, her face was all tight. 
And I saw her smile and she said, well, I'll be back next week because I maybe it is possible. I don't know. And 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 that's how close it is. You know, that's really the point we're, we're trying to make here is that if you just set yourself to quiet and freedom for a minute and imagine what a nice, happy moment would look like for you. And it's whatever it would look like for you. Everybody's experience of happiness comes in whatever form that is right for them. Um, if you can imagine it, it, it looks real to you in that moment. And you can imagine experiencing it. That means you can. You can. And um, I don't think that, I mean, I feel like one of the things that doesn't happen very often in psychology, as far as I know, as it's practiced today, is people don't encourage very depressed, very uh, sad, very caught up clients to just take a moment and envision themselves in a different state. Imagine that. And they're almost afraid to do that. And I think part of the reason is because they really do think there's something wrong with the person. It's kind of like the craziness of it is, is when you, when you can't see what's wrong with your clients and all you can see is that deep down, we're all the same and we're all just making it up. Uh, it's easier to talk about things that other people might be afraid to talk to them about because they wouldn't want to encourage them to be, you know, have delusions about what's possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that it's, um, that's the great illusion, I think, is that we have to fix what's wrong in our life and ourselves before we can be happy. You know, like in our country, we have a uh, the uh, Declaration of Independence that was based on the pursuit of happiness. Right. I, if there's one thing I could say about Americans is that they've been pursuing it for several countries now. <laughs> yeah, and so far they haven't found it. Huh? Haven't yeah, it down. yeah <laughs> they've just been looking in the wrong places. You know that, that um, there is a song called Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really the story of most human beings' lives. It's like they're looking for love, contentment, and satisfaction and happiness by having the outside world be a certain way. But when you're unhappy, no matter what's going on in your life, it's not going to look to you like it's good or you're not going to feel happy. And so, you know, there's you're always on a treadmill going faster and faster, trying to do more and more, trying to make more money and be more secure, but it's backwards. So when we turn around and we look within and we see like it doesn't it's like you can't like try to figure it out. I mean that's one of the things I hope that you guys are that are listening to our podcast get is that you can't think your way into happiness. No. You can think positive, but usually that creates that kind of hyper happy thing because mm-hmm. you're you're really in a negative place but you're trying to think positive because at one level you know that that's how what health would be like, it thinking positive. But being in a positive state means that you don't have to think positive. You look at life as it is and you deal with it as it is from the most optimistic place you can be. Now that's very different than thinking positive. And so a lot of times I think people uh, downgrade happiness because they think that you should be happy about your life. And so they say, well, look at the situation in the world. Look at the, uh, whole uh, racism that's happening in the world and look at the environmental factors and look at 
the politics and how much people in this country anyway are hating each other. Like to me, that's just the, the result of people forgetting that their happiness is on the inside. And then we treat each other in ways that are unacceptable. And we don't know it because we just get caught in the illusion. That's, that's the, the big breakthrough to me that Sidney Banks did is that he brought forth this understanding that we're living in an illusion, that the outside world is responsible for how we feel rather than the vice versa. And when you see, when you shift it around like that and you see that you are happy and then you think, then now you've got something to work with. Yeah. That's really true. I had a, I had a conversation today with a lady at the gym that I'd never met before. And um, so now we don't have to wear masks in the gym anymore. There's only a few people at a time. It's kind of a rehab gym. And, and um, so, so people can talk because we can see each other. And she was telling me she was so happy to, to, you know, get to really see the people that she's working out with. There's just a few of us there. And uh, she said, you know, I'm really concerned about my grandchildren because not being in school has made them so unhappy. And I didn't get into a long conversation with her. And I said, you know, children are naturally happy. And uh, you don't want to put ideas like that in their head because, you know, you're making that up. I, most kids are pretty happy not to be in school. But but I said, you know, it's thinking about what they're missing or whatever you, what they're picking up around them that's making them unhappy. It's not the situation. And she said, Really? And she said, let me think about that. So we finished our little circuit. You know, everybody, we were all done about the same time because we come in and cadres of three and work out with the trainers and then we leave. And so as we were walking out to the parking lot, she said to me, you know, I was thinking about what you said and I realized I have to explain to my grandchildren that they have more power than that. They don't have to give in to their circumstances. I mean, we had a tiny little conversation. Wow. But, but because it's true, people see it. That's right. We don't have to do a lot. And that's the joy of it. You know, happiness is simple and it's right there. That's right. Yep. That's right. So with that, I hope you guys uh, uh, pay attention to your happiness this week and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and enjoy your week. And we'll see you next week. Okay. Take care. Uh -huh. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 